0: Over the course of the past several months, of course, we've all been experiencing the chaos, the social unrest in our society, and as a result, many of us experiencing interiorly because of the coronavirus lockdown, the rioting, the protesting, and for those in southern Louisiana, the devastation wrought by Hurricane Laura. And as I was thinking and praying about these things, I really thought of the Old Testament passage from the first book of kings chapter 18 verses 20 to 40 and that's the famous passage of elijah and the prophets of baal or baal however you want to pronounce it <clears throat> the story you could read it yourself but i'll give you the summary elijah basically challenges the prophets of baal, baal to a sacrifice off because israel can't make a decision whether or not they want to follow the pagan god or they want to follow yahweh and so these 450 prophets they Build their altar and they start calling down their God. And in doing so, they're dancing and hooping and hollering. Uh, this one translation says they're raving. Uh, Elijah's taunting them, cutting themselves, bleeding everywhere. I mean, quite a spectacle. But nothing happens. So Elijah then says of his altar, calls out to God Yahweh, and the fire comes down and laps up the water in the moat around it and consumes the sacrifice, giving clear evidence that Yahweh is the true God and Israel turns to follow him. And so I kind of want to reflect a little bit today on these two sacrifices. These two sacrifices as a way to understand some of the the chaos or the peace that exists in our world today. How we can approach it and think about it, um, one, the sacrifice being of God, the work of God, and the other is the work of evil or the work of the evil one and Baal being the, simple, the symbol of it. So as we, we learn to notice the qualities of both, we'll hopefully be attracted to one, to draw near to one, and avoid the other. So what are some of the qualities of the sacrifice of the prophets of Baal? Well, this is pretty clear. I mean, this is complete chaos. 450 men dancing around, screaming and yelling and the singing. There's, there's no order. There's no structure. Just a mass of confusion. It's like going to some grunge concert in the early 90s. The only problem is is everybody is slashing themselves with swords and bleeding everywhere. It is a complete mess. And this is sort of what guild prophets would do at the time. You'd have individual prophets like Elijah but certain prophets that travel around as a guild and they'd whip themselves up into these, these prophetic states in order to communicate the message of their god. Kind of like going to a disco or a dance or like I said some type of a mosh pit back in the 90s. So there's no peace here. Uh, there's no way God can communicate. It's just lunacy and craziness. Imagine imagine watching this. One way I might describe it is just it's a lot of drama. You have all these people who are trying to desperately seek attention from their God, probably seek attention from other people by harming themselves and bleeding out everywhere, all of it ending up for nothing. So... so we, clearly, this is not of God. This this chaos, this confusion, this lack of harmony, probably these people bumping into each other and crashing into each other. It's chaos. And it's chaos that is instilled by the evil one. And these are some of the qualities that we can imagine in looking at how the evil one might be working the world. So where can we see this today? I'm not saying in any of these shapes or forms that people here are possessed. Not that at all. We as humans have quite a great ability to make a mess of things, but the evil one, the accuser, Satan, can, can find the weak spots and, and, and actually rile people up and to cause more chaos and more confusion. So I think probably the best place you could say you could see it is in all this, this political and social unrest. Not necessarily the peaceful protests, but the riots and the violence. I look at some of these pictures from what's been going on for three months in Portland. This looks like the prophets of Baal. The, the, the screaming and yelling, the cursing, the hating, and kind of like this, it goes on all day. It never ends. What's the, what's the purpose? So, certainly see that in these more radical sex uh, or actions that we see in culture. But I think probably the biggest place that we can see this chaos and this lack of order and confusion is in social media people fighting with each other, arguing, never coming into any kind of uh, agreement. Not just social media, media in general, the news media, just instead of trying to bring about union, bringing about nothing but dissension and chaos. So not only in culture and society, but also in relationships um, outside of what, what might be even happening in our world today, even though I think a lot of the exterior stresses are affecting people and particularly in their relationships. Some people are experiencing a lot of trauma and in relationships looking for drama, erratic behavior. Uh, often they, you could see it in, in, in bullying and tension and gaslighting. These toxic relationships are not of God. They're producing all kinds of stress and anxiety. Um, this, is, this is not of God. It's very similar to the chaos that we see in the sacrifices mentioned above. And, of course, you really can see it in the interior life, where there's just anxiety, there's no peace, shame about the past, worrying about the future. Um, there's no order, there's no structure. It, whether it be on the large level, the, the relational level, the individual level, when we experience this chaos, this anxiety, we know this is not of the Lord. And we can spot the, the sacrifice of Baal. But what about the qualities of Elijah and Elijah's sacrifice? Well, that's going to be very well-ordered. Notice if you read the passage how everything is built up, uh, the stones and the wood, very ordered, and the old, broken one was, was reconstructed. And so there's a well-ordering and building the altar for the sacrifice. And then Elijah, and the way he has a very structured and ordered prayer, calling out to God, asking him to intervene and to show his power. It's not a bunch of screaming and yelling. And it's actually very, very brief. God acts pretty quickly. It's not depending on his action, but on the Lord's action. And and even his demeanor. Elijah, of course, was this radical prophet. But he he had confidence that God was going to act. Uh, He knew who God was. He knew his relationship to him. And there was a a dignity and knowledge. He didn't need to go through all of these self-deprecating actions of beating himself up and making a fool of himself he knew who god was he knew who he was and was able to act in that confidence that security and so then the the, the fire descends and this is clearly god working in the spirit all all, all i had to do was prepare it it's the lord it's god who's going to act god who's going to make his present known presence known and from that what do we have we have light and life and peace and harmony that comes from this sacrifice. The people gathered around the fire, gathered, or sort of speaks to the, the column of fire that, that, that God manifested himself through in the book of Exodus. And there's a tranquility of order. Uh, everything is in its right order. There's no chaos, there's no people cutting themselves up, or screaming, or yelling, or acting like complete idiots. And these are the qualities of Elijah's sacrifice. I'm sure we could elucidate some more, but where do we see it today? Well, I think we can see it in a culture that has that tranquility of ardor. There's peaceful, ordered proceedings. One where reason, and not emotion and histrionics, tends to guide things, and, and respect for other people prevail. In a democratic society, I can disagree with you, um, but we can still communicate. We can still work towards a compromise or a common goal. There's not a lot of violence, there's not a lot of dissension. And that relationships within this culture are guided by merciful love. There's no drama. It's a healthy relationship where there's self-gift, mutual forgiveness and understanding. It's a relationship that gives life. And we all know the difference between one that just drains us and is toxic and friendships, marriages that give life, that, that, that have Christ as the center. But most importantly, is going to be the interior, where we demonstrate the individual that radical childlike trust in the Lord, like Elijah's prayer. He knew the Lord was going to answer, and from that that identity of knowing God as Father and ourselves as adopted sons and daughters, there's a peace that comes. I think Father Jacques Philippe's book, "Searching for and Maintaining Peace," has become so popular because of that. We don't want anxiety. We want to have that peace, even when it comes to facing our own weakness and faults. So we're going to have interior peace, anxiety, and rumination. is not going to take over. And the truth is, is we can prepare this, but it's going to have to be the action of the Lord. He's going to have to send fire. It's been pretty amazing for me to see over the course of the coronavirus where so many people have struggled with faith, to see certain individuals just really open themselves with the Spirit and that fire just descend. And becoming very, very open to the gift of the Spirit, leading virtuous lives, deep prayer lives. But the lesson that comes from that is we could try to guide the fire, we could try to understand it. No, just Elijah just lets the fire be. Let God be God, let God do his work, and that's going to happen in the individual soul. Of course, there's going to be ardor and peace that flows from it. So we can now distinguish these two different um types of sacrifices, the, the chaotic one, the peaceful one, and to see where we might discern it in our own society or relationships, or our own life. But we've got to then decide or come up with a plan for what to do. How do we move away from the chaos of the sacrifice to Baal and to move towards Elijah's sacrifice, the sacrifice where fire descends from the heavens? So the first thing is... is the the ball sacrifice like i said you could imagine the scenario it's like a dumpster fire or a train wreck or, or some of these crazy reality television shows people like to watch we, we we gaze upon it we can't take our eyes off it is just insanity but we know it's not healthy and particularly if we allow that exterior chaos to become part of us it leads to that overthinking and rumination and worrying about what the future's like and the past and And our safety and causes all kinds of anxiety which draws us further into the chaos rather than drawing us to the peace of the Lord now I really honestly believe as much as I sort of talked about some of these symptoms we know it when we see it we know the lack of order the chaos the confusion when we see it whether it be in the world or the news or relationships our own lives we know what the signs are and so besides recognizing it we've got to acknowledge it you can't pretend that it's not there. Elijah realizes that it's there, and he's willing to call it out for what it is. You know, his sort of satirical comments. Actually, I remember learning in seminary when one of the proper translations for what he says is not that, that your God may be away, but he's actually, your God is using the bathroom. He just taunts him. And we don't necessarily want to taunt the people that we see who are doing this. Probably the best is not even to verbalize our opinion, to just move away from it. Nor can we become cynical, but we at least got to call out for what it is and see it. We can't put all of our attention in that area. The most important thing is to do, avoid it and basically ignore it. The more people pay attention to the prophets of Baal and all of their psychotic raving, the more they're going to do it because they take any kind of intention, even negative attention. These people are attention hogs. And so we we turn our eyes away. We love them, but we're not going to pay attention to it and basically have our no drama policy. This is where I get to talk about the very end of the passage when Elijah rounds up the 450 prophets of Baal and slits all of their throats. We do not slit people's throats at all. We look at this in a symbolic, spiritual way to say, we are not going to put up with this foolishness. We're going to do what we can to eradicate the roots of it as much as we can by loving others and producing just policies in our nation and in our relationships. And so we also have to see like in our own relationships, if we notice there are some toxic relationships, there's drama, be willing to set up those boundaries and move away. Don't pay attention to the craziness in the news. If it, it makes you lose your peace. If every time you turn on the channel, you just get so frustrated, turn it off. Read the headlines but don't allow it to disturb your peace. You have no control over that kind of foolishness. Best thing I think is to stay off of social media or at least just like subscribe to Instagram pages that have all furry animals or things or Bible quotes. The more we get into that and the fighting and the argument, the more we lose our peace, particularly cuz you're not going to convince anybody. We don't necessarily have to become a hermit and hide away from the world. But we have got to have boundaries and try our best to not let that confusion and the influence of the evil one seep into our hearts. Most importantly, we've got to heed Elijah's call. That's what's so important and beautiful about the passage. Come, draw near to me. You can see Christ speaking it to us. Come, draw near to me, to the things that bring us peace, the things that are well-ordered, the things that we can see the Spirit in, prayer and Holy Mass. Not as obligations or as duties or places that we need to go to, in order to perform, but as places of rest. Come away and rest with the Lord. Come and encounter him in the Eucharist or in the prayer. In our relationships, being very intentional about <coughs> spending more time with people whom we delight in and delight in us, that we really, really enjoy, that give us life. We should actively seek this out um, because it is life-giving, it is life-giving. It people who were faith-filled, who put the fire from their lives into our lives. And also to be able to be thankful and go back into the memories where we can remember in our past where God has loved us, where peace has prevailed, particularly if we're living amidst a bunch of chaos. is That can be like the kindling for starting prayer, the kindling for bringing peace, the little fire that happened way back when, but we can still lean into it. These are the ways that we can draw near to the fire, draw near to Jesus, and avoid the chaos of the evil one and the prophets of Baal. And in doing so, and building up the habit now during these particularly chaotic times in our culture, um, but in all times, to, to be able to keep our sanity and grow closer to God, who's the God of the Spirit, the God of peace.